This is a Hawaii Rising podcast special. I'm Kenji Cataldo. It's just me today. This week, we're bringing you a special update from Malama Makua, a longtime HPF community partner that has been working since the 90s for the return and restoration of Makua Valley in Waianae O'ahu, which was used for decades by the Army for live fire training. After Malama Makua challenged the Army in court, there was an out of court settlement agreement that required the Army to complete an environmental impact statement, or EIS, by 2004 in order to continue training after that deadline. The Army never submitted the EIS, and as a result, has not conducted live fire training in Makua for almost 20 years. However, there was always the possibility that the Army could submit the EIS and resume training. Until yesterday. In a joint statement submitted with Malama Makua in federal court, the Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of the United States Army stated that, quote, they no longer need to conduct live fire training at Makua Military Reservation now or in the future, and therefore no new unexploded ordinance will be added to the Makua Military Reservation, end quote. In other words, the highest levels of the U.S. military have made a statement in print in federal court that there is no need for another bomb or bullet to be fired in Makua ever again. I spoke with Uncle Sparky Rodriguez and Auntie Lynette Cruz from Malamu Makua about this new development and what it means for the valley. Okay, so today we're talking with Auntie Lynette Cruz and Uncle Sparky Rodriguez from Malamu Makua. And we're making this special episode because we have a, a really exciting update about the status of Makua Valley. Auntie Uncle, could you start by just sharing what is this new development and what does it mean for the valley? Over the last 20 odd years, we spent a lot of time in court with the military. So far, we've won all of the, the judgments and the agreement. We've come up with some really good agreements from the very beginning. And 2024, we're coming up in the 20th year of peace in the Valley of No Live Fire. But the exceptional notice uh, that we just received was that the military, this is at the Pentagon level and the presidential advisory level. So this is where they have agreed that they have no further use of live fire training in Makua from this point to forever. So basically no more live fire, although we haven't had any live fire for 20 years, but this puts it in the, the hand of the federal court and where the, uh, Secretary of the Army is the one that says, okay, he signed off on it. So it doesn't matter what command changes we go through. This is going to be written in ink uh, at the, the federal court level, which is what all the military follows. So no matter what command comes in, and the generals have always said, well, I didn't say that, so we can do whatever we want. So we've always had to start from the beginning. So this is one way of going through the federal court and having uh, the working together and coming up with a solution that uh, we're pretty excited about. I think it's a big deal because both the Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of the Army signed off. So we had to kind of think about what what does this mean? I mean, why now? What else is going on? And 
I know that it's more than just um, not uh, using live fire training anymore. It's more than that. It doesn't mean that they're not going to do training, by the way. They will be doing training, but no live fire training. And they don't have to do quarterly reports about what's going on in the Valley. But um, I guess the recommendation is that they not do quarterly reports, but just annual ones. And it's the way that I read it was really interesting because that took precedent, the idea of reports not having to be done uh, uh, quarterly. And somewhere in that section is where they inserted the idea of no live fire training. So it was interesting what popped up for us as we read that. Yeah, and the benefit of no live fire training, they won't be adding any further UXOs to the valley. So anything they clean up will be reducing the amount of uh, toxins and unexploded ordnance that I that exists there. So within the document, there's also a, a, a section that almost 20 years ago, we had talked about uh, coming up with high priority cultural sites for us to for them to clean and for us to access for uh, the cultural accesses that we do twice a month. So in the over the 20 years, they've cleaned up about 11 sites. Um, and there are still 11 more that we're requesting an update uh, for renewed effort in those areas. So some of these areas are really uh, contaminated. So on a, the range rules for live fire training is that no ICMs, that's the improved uh, conventional munitions, it's like a bomblet, can be used where infantry is or where they end up going. Uh, but there are sections that ICMs are present. And as some of the rain has washed out some of the areas where the ICMs were, they've kind of migrated through the streams down towards the, the fence that actually uh, empties into the public lands. So having them clean up the, the remaining high priority cultural sites and making it so that it's accessible for Malamakua's access, I think is really an important reminder to them. So besides this momentous time of no live fire, uh, we're also looking at expanding the amount of cultural access within the valley uh, and making it so that we can get further back and also connect to some of the sites that we have not been able to get to yet. That's so awesome to hear. And this is uh, such a monumental win, really, for the community. And, you know, you mentioned um, this has been the work of, of over two decades since the, since the 90s. Um, I wonder if you could share about some of what of some of what that work was that it took to get to this point and you know maybe some of uh the other uh kia'i who have stood up uh for makua um and whose whose work has gotten us to this point along alongside yourself of course well i can talk a little bit about my involvement but there's generations of people before me kupuna and so many people have passed on that are instrumental in the battle and the resistance. Um, one of the kupuna was uh, one of the Hawaiian families that had kuleana land there and was evicted with the promise of the kuleana land being returned six months after World War II. So that never happened. And then when he got back from uh, the military, he ended up giving the army such a hard time that they pursued him as uh, 
a bad guy. So you can imagine having the full force of the military exerted on your personal uh, life. It, it can become daunting. Uh, when my wife and I started, it was we didn't know anything about what was going on in Makua. We were part of the uh, using the land to heal our relationship. So a lot of the homeless that was on the beach, uh, majority was Hawaiian. Many of them Vietnam vets or uh, veterans that had fallen on bad times, went there to actually die and got better and healed. So Makua was an area that the Hawaiians used to go to heal. But modern society doesn't allow that kind of healing. They call it homelessness. They call it uh, anything but healing. And for them, it, you got to be finished by a certain time. So after the evictions is when we started turning our focus to the question, what happened? Why did it happen? And we found out that the Marines wanted to land 8,000 Marines amphibious landing onto Makua. And they the, they had arranged with Governor Cayetano to clear the beaches. So it wasn't only Makua, it was all the beaches in the state. And that kind of opened our eyes and started focusing. So and uh, the, the group that was on the beach, we had formed a Makua Council. And when I, what I found going through all of this, because I was also on the governor's task force to help heal the situation in Makua, which turned out to be all for show. And they were not really serious about doing anything positive other than to get us off the beach and make it available for the military. So like I said, we had formed the Makua Council and we went to the front gate. And at the front gate, we met groups that called themselves Malama Makua, but they were from the peace and justice movement. We were coming from more of the Hawaiian access to resource so, uh, part of the resistance. So at the gate, we ended up formally forming Malama Makua to resist what the army had done. Uh, and even back then, Leandro and I went and talked to, back then it was Sierra Club Legal Defense Fund, uh, if they could help the Hawaiians that were on the beach to resist the evictions. And they said, no, we can't. We can only help with the endangered species. So that helped us focus our attention on the endangered Hawaiian species that do not have a voice. They're even lower on the totem pole than the homeless Hawaiians. And that is what got us into federal court. Uh, that's what got us to the point where we were able to win uh a stop order for them, for the army to stop training until they finished an EIS. And that's sort of what led us to where we are today. But we've got a whole bunch of people that have passed that have been part of the resistance. And this goes back many decades, uh, many, many decades. I think it's, it's always a good idea to look at what came before because Sparky and I are here right now, but and we've been here, I guess, for a while. But what's really, what's really interesting is that we remember all those people who sacrificed before us. Leandra, definitely Fred Dodge, yeah. um, Kaanohi, Kalekini, yeah, and of course our 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 bud Justin Hill, um, who. We feel is still here. In fact, 
strange as it may seem, in, in many ways, they're all still here. Yes. And we can hook up with them when we go to the valley. So it's one of the reasons for, for us to continue to go there and to remember that our history is embedded in that valley. That they're kind of, well, maybe jumping the gun, but it talks about, for example, why if we wanted to do a press conference about whatever is going on in the valley at any given time, the appropriate place is always going to be at the valley so that we can include the valley in our discussion. Yeah, and you know, one of the things Malama Makua has done this past year was uh, changed our mission statement to where uh, part of it states that Makua is the Pico of Peace. And since we did that, it has changed our attitude, our behavior, and our approach to how we deal not only with the Army, but with the issues that Makua is facing. And what has happened over the years, we have not driven this. Makua has. And it's always about, is this the right thing for Makua? Or is this something that our ego is saying that we need to do? And it's always been... If it's uh, right for Makua, then we'll see how Makua presents it and how Makua act, actually inspires and assists us in things that are happening. So what's happening at the Pentagon and the Army level, I believe that's the Aina really inspiring them to make some changes. Uh, you know, why would the Army choose to do this? And that's for me, it's I, I'm always questioning that. Because we're not done. They still need to clean it up and they still need to return it. So how are we going to do that? I like that they're being uh, encouraged to finish cleaning up cultural sites, identifying any that haven't been identified yet and allowing us cultural access and, and continue the cleanup that they've been doing over the last 20 years. Boy, that's how long we've been around, 20 years plus. Also, I think we're mindful of the fact that there is a 2029 is right around the corner and the military would like to extend its numerous leases here, there and everywhere. And so, I mean, the reality is we got to think about how this, this announcement of no live fire training plays into future announcements that are going to be coming out about lease extensions in Makua or Pohakuloa or any place. And then other uh, indications that we have uh, heard about, the desire to do land swaps so that the military still has control of certain lands, whatever, whichever lands that they feel they need to have, um, which kind of um, is meant, I think, um, to help us gear up for what's coming. Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking as you're sh sharing that, uh, Makua has been used for live fire training since the late 1920s. The lease ends in 2029. That's a hundred years of training and the first bullet ever fired or unexploded ordnance is still there in the Aina. So we've got a lot of work ahead of us. And this is just one of the lease. And the lease is all started after statehood. So at 59, they had five years to 
resolve all their land holdings. So there's leases all over. On the top of Kaena, the Space Force has property up there. And we're not allowed to go up there willy-nilly, even if you want to go to the cultural sites that are there. Um, and I know willy-nilly is kind of a holy term, but we want to go to the cultural sites and you have to check in. You got to register. You got to make sure you go past the, the security guard that's on the bottom of the Kaena before you go up to the top. And there's a lot of restrictions. So it's not really... Uh, friendly in the relationship and with whatever is going to happen at Makua this is not us saying that okay yeah now you can go train at Puakalua absolutely not no training no live fire training anywhere in Hawaii and it would be best for the military to start planning a withdrawal so that we can actually get the United Nations in to observe uh the uh, friendly transition back to uh, the Hawaiian kingdom. You you mentioned the uh, lease expiration in 2029 and the efforts to renew a lot of these leases, including Makua. So even though this is a major win in terms of uh, commitment to no more live fire training, it doesn't mean Makua is guaranteed yet to come back. And so as we're looking ahead to these these, these next years, these critical years for this land all across Hawaii, um, what are ways to keep up the pressure? And I'm thinking particularly, how could people who are listening to this support uh, support these efforts? Well, I know for a fact that there are um, requests in the West Side community to have some dialogue about the future of Makua. It's it's already started, and it's coming from other than Malawa Makua, which tells me there is a great interest in the community about what happens to these lands. So that's that's really good impetus for us. And I think um, we're going to be beginning a whole series of dialogues to find out what people think should happen there. And keeping in mind, of course, that the contract that the military has is with the state of Hawaii, um, but with the community. But that doesn't mean that the community cannot have these dialogues and that we should include the state of Hawaii and the Department of Land and Natural uh, Resources in the dialogue. We don't know what's going to happen. That doesn't mean we shouldn't plan for everything. Yeah. And if you start thinking about the worst case scenarios, we don't know about all the leases that the military has. They're very silent on and not very forthcoming on what is actually being leased. So the stuff on top of Kaena, we found out accidentally uh, because we wanted to go to one of the heiau that was up there when they were planning to build a huge complex for uh, the missile tracking. Anyway, I mean, that's part of it. And the, the risk is that it could be a presidential edict saying, you know, we own all of it. And so this is part of the effort uh, that we need to face. And they want to do a land swap, which is a possibility, whether it's with Hawaiian Homes or DLNR or other lands that might be uh, being used. Uh, the other part is that the Department of Land and Natural Resources, DLNR, the land board is the one that's going to approve 
or disapprove any lease extensions. So that would end up being one of the areas we need support to follow and and defend against. The, the land board is weighted to support the American interest. So it's not on the University of Hawaii, which gets grants from the government, but it's also uh, business and military that's on the board that will end up promoting their own interests. So we need to really make sure that we keep a good eye on uh, what's going on at the state level and focus on who the players are to make sure that uh, we can communicate to them that no lease extensions, no live fire training, uh, and eventually the return of all the lands that the military occupy. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing about this exciting new development and also the, you know, the work that, that's still to come. Um, is there anything else that either of you would like to share? I can say this. Uh, personally, I've been thinking about it for years. The idea of making war, that's a military thing, right? Making war. And that's their job, I guess. Although when we ask about them, and we have asked, um, and the, the sense is that what they're trying to do is preserve peace. I remember the colonel said that to us, one of the colonels, and that's how he felt his job was, describing what he did. But the the reality is there is no peace. They can't make the peace because there is money in war. War has to continue. How are all these people going to make any money? And so the idea of having a military is really kind of passe. It's from my point of view, really what they're talking about is capitalism. How do you use war, warmongering, the military to actually build an arsenal um, that will make some money for all of those industries that are concerned with profiting from war? That's the kind of thing I think about. And so that's what I think about when any kind of announcement comes out of the military, who benefits? Yeah. Who's going to make money off of that? And and my quick soundbite is that, you know, I always pray for peace while our warmongers wage war. So we need to change that around. And making Makua being the Piku of peace, I'm hoping that we'll be able to generate the energetic that will travel worldwide. Peace for everybody and justice. Great. Well, thank you so much, Auntie Lynette and Uncle Sparky, for uh, taking some time to to share about this development. And we'll be sure to keep tracking it and share new updates in the future. Right on. Thank you again. Okay. Thank you. To learn more about Malama Makua, check out our past interview with Uncle Sparky and Auntie Lynette in episode 17, Malama Makua, Pico of Peace. Ahui ho! Hawaii Rising is a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund produced by me and me with additional support from Mickey. Our theme music is Revolutionary from the band Ukla the Mock, written and sung by Mickey Hui Hui. A big thank you to our community supporters and to you, our audience, for listening. Ahui ho! Dim spending done need.